Hey guys, it is Abel here, back with another episode of the Sustainable Self-Development Podcast. And in this episode, I would like to talk about one of my favorite topics, uh, a topic that I see more and more people in the fitness industry becoming interested in, which I'm actually very happy about. And it is the topic of ad libitum dieting, also known, I guess, on its commercial name as intuitive eating. Basically, the whole concept of eating to manipulate body composition without tracking your macros. Um, I talked about this with a few guests before on the podcast. I even did a video series on YouTube on this, which I actually ended up removing mainly because now that I have gained quite a bit of experience with this, I came to disagree with a lot of the things that I have said in these videos. And I also came to not like the tone of some of those videos. I found that I was overstating or being overly optimistic about some concepts in them. And some of the things that I said in them were a little bit vague or non-actionable. But now, after I had some experience with using ad libitum dieting for a considerable amount of time and having achieved various body composition goals with it, I once again felt that it was time to put out a comprehensive piece of content on it in the form of a podcast episode specifically. So what I would like to do is to put out two podcast episodes for you guys on this, one in which I lay the groundwork for all of this, talk about the pros and cons of ad libitum eating and how it compares to macro tracking, talk about the types of goals this strategy is really applicable for and what is not so applicable for, and also why I personally decided to stop tracking my macros, as I think that part of the discussion could be useful for many of you guys. And then in the second part, the follow-up episode for all of this, I will go much more technical and it will be all about the actual tools, strategies, and methods that I personally used to succeed with this and what I believe other people would benefit from too. So to give a little bit of a background, I have not been tracking my macros or calories now for a little over five months. Before that, I've always tracked my macros to one degree or another for about four years, basically. And probably two of these years from maybe 2015 to 2017 were pretty precise tracking. Now, I flirted with the thought of trying an ad libitum approach here and there, as I was always intrigued by the concept. Um, but it was only in the past half a year or so that I really started to roll with it. And I'm planning to keep on doing this for the next, as of now, undetermined period of time. So with that, let's dive into this and start with what makes ad libitum dieting and macro tracking different. So in general, you can distinguish between tracking and non-tracking based dietary approaches. So tracking based would be anything that has you track and count things like calorie amounts, macronutrient amounts, or any combination of these. Whereas an ad libitum approach is where you use other surrogates to dictate what you eat and how much you eat, like your hunger and satiety signals. So Ad libitum, which in Latin means at one's satisfaction or at one's pleasure, simply describes how basically anybody who is not into fitness 
eats. Um, it also basically describes the age-old lifestyle advice that most of us have heard at some point, which is just eat when you're hungry and stop eating when you're full. Um, macro tracking, on the other hand, which probably a good number of you are familiar with, states that while how hungry you feel and how full you are are definitely things to consider, the most important thing to ensure is that you hit your numbers. So by the end of the day, just make sure that by whatever means you hit a certain number of calories or at least close to it. And depending on how strictly you control for things, also hit certain numbers of protein grams, carbohydrate grams, fat grams. So these are some general basic descriptions. And now let's dive into how these approaches actually measure up against one another. First of all, it's important to emphasize that if we are talking about fitness or body composition oriented nutrition, then at the end of the day, both approaches have to adhere to a few key nutritional principles. So we have to establish the appropriate energy balance for your given goals, meaning that we have to eat the right number of calories, we need to get enough protein to support muscle mass, enough dietary fat to support healthy hormonal profile, and enough carbohydrates to support well-being and gym performance. So it's very important to clarify that whether or not we track our macros, these are the parameters that we are trying to manipulate. The only question is whether you achieve this by means of tracking your numbers directly or by doing it indirectly through using other surrogates like your hunger and fullness, selecting foods with different satiety indices, and establishing good habits, which are all things we are going to talk about later. But now, let's talk a little bit about who macro tracking and ad libitum dieting is appropriate for. First of all, Let's start with the elephant in the room and address the fact that probably a good number of you are very skeptical about the utility of ad libitum eating for athletic or aesthetic goals. So based on the discussions I've seen and inputs from different people I've seen, I would say that the opinion of the average fitness enthusiast on ad libitum eating is that, yeah, you can be healthy and maintain a healthy body weight without tracking macros, but if you lift, if you want to be lean, you want to have abs, then it's just not going to cut it. And these people have somewhat of a point, but it's not a complete point, in my opinion. And there are many ways to explain why I think that that's the case, but I would like to give a very simple illustrative argument for why I think we have good reasons to be a lot more optimistic about uh, the body composition results we can achieve without tracking macros. So if you just think about the average person you know who is not into lifting or nutrition, not the more exaggerated cases of obese people or super skinny people, but your average guy in the office or your average college classmate who is in his shirt, looks like a normal person, and with his shirt off, just looks kind of skinny fat, maybe at around 20% body fat, some gut, some skinny arms, basically just a guy who doesn't lift. Now, this guy who most likely doesn't track his macros maintains his body composition over time. Maybe he gains a little bit, but remains relatively stable. Now, obviously, this body composition is not one that likely inspires you, but let's contrast his situation to yours. And here I'm assuming that you're my average listener who does lift and is into the whole training and nutrition game. 
So the hypothetical average guy that we portrayed in the previous example is not physically active. Maybe at best he goes to play soccer or some equivalent once a week or something. You're probably doing resistance training three times a week. So there is one big advantage you have right away. This person also probably has close to zero nutritional knowledge. He has no idea about the difference between a gram of protein and a gram of carbohydrate. You, on the other hand, are probably very familiar with the energy density of different foods. You know which foods contain high amounts of protein and low amounts of calories. You know about fiber, etc., so there you have another big advantage compared to this hypothetical person. This person has probably all kinds of terrible habits, like tons of unconscious, mindless snacking, eating fast food on the run, drinking his calories. On the contrary, the average smart fitness enthusiast generally eats square meals that contain protein and fiber, doesn't snack mindlessly, manages his environment correctly, etc., so right here, there's another big advantage. And then we didn't even touch on the decisions that go into an evening of eating out or having drinks with your friends, all of that stuff. So when you look at what the average physically non-active, nutritionally pretty ignorant person is able to achieve just by eating according to hunger and fullness, and then look at all the lifestyle factors that play to your advantage as a physically active person with considerable nutritional knowledge, I think we have a lot of reasons to be pretty optimistic about what you can achieve without macro tracking. Now, certainly there are goals for which tracking macros is pretty much unavoidable. And these would be things like getting ready for a bodybuilding contest and achieving close to essential levels of body fat or getting extremely big, like 100 kilogram plus pro bodybuilder level big. For these goals, simply using your hunger and satiety cues and implementing smart food choices will most likely not be enough. Simply because if you push your body to these extreme points, your natural body signals will probably fight against these state too hard for you to be able to rely on them and keep progressing to, towards your goals. The same applies probably to competitive performance athletes. Like, I'm not sure that Michael Phelps would voluntarily put down 10,000 calories every day if he was not on a set meal plan that has you doing it. However, I would argue that to achieve the type of body composition that most of us are after, which is a lean, muscular type of body where basically you take your shirt off and people go, you work out. That is totally doable, just fine without tracking macros. And this is where a lot of people in the fitness world will come and reflect on this whole topic. And their response will very often reflect a, their personal preference and personal psychology, which is huge when it comes to this topic, and B, their own current body composition or the type of body that they're after or the type of body that they help their clients to achieve. So if you ask a guy who walks around 7 or 8% body fat year-round, whether it's necessary to track your macros, then more than likely he will tell you that, yeah, absolutely, it's ridiculous to think that you can just look good without doing that. And yeah, for most people, I would say staying at 7 or 8% body fat, which by the way is peeled, <laughs> will not be possible without macro tracking. Or even if it is possible, it will be a very structured lifestyle with not much wiggle room with your eating behavior. So we have to define the goal you're after. Are you a person who just wants to look really good? 
or are you an athlete, physique or performance athlete who is trying to be the best? And to be completely transparent, even if you're just a person who wants to look really good, uh, who comes to me and says, look, Abel, I want to be as close to 100% sure as possible that I'm leaving nothing on the table to manipulate my body composition through my diet should I track my macros. In that case, I would still say, yeah, dude, go and track away. And the reason I would say that is because with macro tracking, you're relying on objective data, namely numbers, and it allows you to progress in a very foolproof way. If you count and measure everything, you can basically be, be as sure as possible that you, you're not accidentally over or under eating. And your progress will also not be influenced by other factors like your mood and emotional state, how mindful you're eating, which are all things that can influence your energy intake. So basically where I'm getting at is that when answering the question of how appropriate ad libitum dieting as opposed to macro tracking is, the best way to think about it is that it is a function of the size of your goals. So up to a certain point, it basically doesn't matter whether you track or not. If you're doing things correctly, you'll largely get the same results. And after some point, when you're really trying to push your limits, either athletically or aesthetically, macro tracking actually becomes advisable. And as for where this point is, probably at the 10-ish percent body fat mark for guys. And for girls, it's probably at the 20, 21-ish body fat percentage range. So you can still look pretty darn good without tracking macros. Okay, uh, next point, let's talk about the pros and cons of ad libitum dieting and macro tracking. So a big benefit of ad libitum dieting, which macro tracking doesn't have, is the element of autoregulation. So a properly designed ad libitum nutritional approach where you get tuned into your natural hunger and satiety cues, you select the right satiating foods that actually make it possible to listen to these cues, allows you to have an energy intake that basically regulates itself to your activity levels and to the fluctuations in your caloric intake. And the reason why this is cool is that a lot of the questions we like to ponder, such as how many calories does standing burn as opposed to sitting, or how many calories do I burn by going for a 30-minute walk, or how much fat do I store from a single meal of overeating, kind of get taken care of on an ad libitum approach. Because if in a given meal, let's say you massively overate, then the next day you can basically test the amount of quote unquote damage that has been done by assessing your appetite. Uh, to give one concrete example, this past summer, actually, I was invited over for lunch. And if you know one thing about people in the Balkan area is that they know how to throw together a feast. So I had tons of fatty meats, tons of dressing on my salad, tons of wine. So I was feasting like a Lannister. And I have no idea how many calories I put down, but looking back, it was probably at least 5,000. And that's not because I went on an all-out binge. It's because of the fact that these lunches basically start at 2 p.m. with the appetizers and salads and go on until like 11 p.m. So the next day, 
I just told myself, I'm just going to eat veggies, berries, and some fat-free protein sources, so whey protein, chicken, things like that, and I'm just going to eat to satiety. So no crazy restrictions, no battling myself through crazy hunger. I'm just going to eat when I get hungry, and I'm going to stop eating when I'm comfortably full. So I will apply some mindfulness in terms of not eating for pure fun, and I'm going to actually pay attention to when I'm full, but I'm not going to refrain from eating if I'm hungry either. So I did this, and of course, I wasn't very hungry for tons of low palatability, high-fiber foods, and by the end of the day, I could tell that I didn't eat tons of calories, but I didn't eyeball portions or add up calories in my head because I didn't want to overthink things. But the next day, so following this lower calorie day, I added up the amount of calories that I had, and guess how much it was? 700 calories, a little bit less. And again, no restriction, no starving myself. This was me eating until comfortable fullness whenever I got hungry. So that is the power of autoregulation right there. My body sensed that the previous day it received a shit ton of calories and it corrected its hunger and satiety mechanisms to compensate for it on its own way. Now, what would have happened if I actually tracked my macros that day? I either would have eaten something like 2,000 calories and I would have ended up still feeling like I'm consciously depriving myself because, wow, that's like 1,000 calories under my maintenance. Or maybe I would have decided to consciously put myself on a protein-sparing modified fast and eat like sub-1,000 calories, which would have made me, A, obsess all day about the fact that, oh my God, I'm only eating 1,000 calories, I'm going to starve, how am I going to make it through the day? And B, would have made me feel a bit uneasy that, well, I'm kind of purging right now. Is this healthy? I don't know. And this way, my body basically told me how much food I needed, given my previous day's indulgence, and it just happened to be around 700 calories. Now, this brings to mind right away whether you can successfully use ad libitum dieting for cutting. Because obviously, during a cut, you don't want your body to autoregulate based on your hunger too much as it tries to maintain homeostasis? And the answer is yes, you can, but hold on for me just for a little bit before I get to that topic. For now, let's continue with the pros and cons. So a con or a downside of ad libitum dieting and what is a big plus side of macro tracking is that it's more tricky to track progress and make adjustments. So on a fat loss diet, for example, if you track your macros, you have a lot more straightforward, specific modifications that you can make whenever there is a stall, for example. So let's say your weight loss has been plateaued for a week or two weeks. If you want, you can see how much weight loss is lagging behind compared to what has been predicted, see your caloric intake, and from that, if you want, you can make an exact calculation on how much you need to adjust your caloric deficit to keep losing. And even if it's not exactly accurate, which it's definitely not, as stalling is almost never solely due to an actual energy intake problem... Uh, but it gives you a very clear, unambiguous action plan. If you eat ad libitum and your progress stalls, it's trickier to take concrete action. 
And you will do things like, okay, I'm going to make my diet a bit more veggie dominant and take out more starches, or I'll take out some fatty protein sources from one or two meals and replace them with lean sources, or I'll drink two more glasses of water with each meal. Or you will do things like auditing yourself, whether you ate to the point of feeling really uncomfortably stuffed at multiple meals for multiple days during the past two weeks. And then that's the problem. Now, if you have experience with proper physique-oriented nutrition, this will not be as big of a problem and you will gain a very good sense on how to make modifications and adjustments. But for someone new to all of this, it can be tricky and you're probably better off getting someone to help you with the initial stages of this. The other benefit here of macro tracking is that it's easier, especially once again, if you're new to this, to quote unquote, trust the process when your results are seemingly stalling. So for example, let's say you know from experience that your maintenance calorie intake is about 3000 and you've been eating 2200 for the past two weeks. You know that you are on point with your diet, but your weight is completely stalled. In this case, you can just know that there is no way that there is no fat loss occurring with that level of caloric intake, and the stall is most likely due to some water retention issue. Maybe you just drastically increased your food volume with all the fibrous stuff. Maybe you have some gut issue from something you ate, and there's a lot of food sitting in your GI tract. Yikes. And so you can have the numbers ease your mind in a sense. With ad libitum, this gets trickier. And especially if someone is completely unexperienced, this leads to some wacky things and could make someone drastically cut back on their food, even though their diet is already consisted mainly of lean protein sources, veggies, and low sugar fruits, and they were already in a sizable deficit to begin with. Or it could lead to some wacky conclusions like, well, the scale weight is stalling, so I'm to going to cut back on my veggies and replace them with nuts because they weigh less, which seems ridiculous, but you would be surprised what people are willing to do when the scale is not moving. Now, once again, if you are familiar with the energy content of foods and have experience with proper dieting, this becomes much less of an issue. So even if the scale stalls, but you look back on your previous two weeks of eating and you go, okay, I've been eating lots of veggies, berries, lean protein sources, and had only a moderate amount of full fat foods. There is no way I'm not in an energy deficit. So let's just not go neurotic about all this. Keep going. So it's much less of an issue than it seems at first. But once again, it shows you that during a contest prep diet where the stakes are high and you often have a time crunch, this is just not your best option. Now let's touch on the mental side of things, because this is partially something that eventually made me remove the videos I made on this. I also wanted to put out a much shorter narrated version of this podcast episode on YouTube with images and things like that. And I realized that I oversold things a little bit and didn't provide enough caveats and context. You see, I originally wanted to talk about the mental aspects of all of this and portray it as ad libitum dieting is much less stressful than macro tracking. And then I realized that someone could come back at this. In fact, he or she should come back at this by saying to you. And that's exactly the correct answer. In fact, an even more correct statement would be that ad libitum dieting is less stressful for me personally 
at this particular time period. Because two years ago, for example, I was having my honeymoon phase with macro tracking and flexible dieting. I absolutely went through the whole shit. I can fit in a small tub of ice cream into my macros every day and lose fat or at least not lose my abs. This is freaking magic. And as of 2017, November, now that winter is coming (laughs) with my current mindset, psychological circumstances and past mental baggages and with the lifestyle that I currently want to live, macro trekking is just absolutely not the right fit. And this is something that we just all need to wrap our heads around that no matter what nutritional strategy we use, whether it's intuitive eating, macro trekking, IFYM, whatever, it's in a large sense, choosing where we want our restriction to come from and choosing the form of restriction that provides the least day-to-day psychological stress. So for some people, at some point, tracking and counting calories gives them the most benefits and least stress. For others, it might be ad libitum dieting. And for others, it might be preset meal plans, or even eliminating whole food groups or doing special diets like a ketogenic diets. These are things that are very much stigmatized. But we have to acknowledge that for some people saying that, okay, I'm just going to limit my carbs to under 50 grams a day is the easiest way to control their energy intake and eat healthfully. And it doesn't cause them any psychological stress whatsoever. So I definitely don't want to portray this whole thing as ad libitum dieting is good, flexible and stress-free. Everything else is neurotic and stressful. Bottom line, it's a matter of personal preference, psychology, personality type, and life circumstances. These all play a crucial, crucial role. Now, with all that said, when I started to eat ad libitum, I experienced some pretty profound mental shifts around my eating behavior, which actually revealed to me only then how unnatural and in some cases really distorted and just messed up some of my behaviors were around food. For example, now that I've been eating this way for a while and I've had a pretty flexible and relaxed behavior around food, only now did I realize that with strict macro tracking, doing things like sharing a meal with someone or sharing a bigger batch of cooked food with multiple people, like in a family setting, even if it's good food like cooked meat with vegetables and stuff like that, it's actually pretty tricky. And depending on how relaxed you are as a person, it can be a flat-out stressor. Like, for example, eating out is kind of tricky to begin with if you track macros and you want to guesstimate what you ordered at the restaurant. But then if you share some portions of your meal with someone, you share some portions of the other person's meal, you offer some other dish around with your friends. I mean, this is like the antichrist situation of a macro tracker. And this is the kind of situation where a person who tracks his or her macros and doesn't have the most relaxed, flexible attitude about all of this is either going to experience some pretty major stress from all of this or going to say, fuck it, and perhaps even experience a bit of a what the hell effect and go over overboard. Conversely, if you eat at libitum, then in a situation like this, you'll just probably say, okay, I'll select reasonably good foods. I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm not going to overstuff myself just for the hell of it. And later I'll try to auto-regulate based on my appetite as well as I can. Another similar thing can be said about not finishing your meal or at least not eating up to the pre-planned calorie amount for the day. So 
if my pre-planned calorie intake is, say, 3,000 on a gaining phase or 2,400 on a cutting phase, it's very unlikely that I'll consume anything under these amounts, regardless of my hunger and appetite on that day. And I think this is just basic human nature and human instinct that if you have a certain restriction or numerical cap on the amount of food that you get to eat on a given day, especially if that number is below your gener general needs to begin with, so during the cut, your most general instinct is to eat up to that amount no matter what. And conversely, if on a given day you're just unusually hungry, you'll likely still eat the same, same amount of calories and won't go over it. Or if you do, you'll feel guilty. Even though from a physiological perspective, the varying levels of hunger you experience on these days might be due to your activity levels. So by adhering to the same predetermined caloric amounts, irrespective of your appetite, might actually make you put yourself in a vastly varying size deficit across different days, even though you had all the right intentions of adhering to the same deficit or surplus. And then there are the obvious examples like going out of town, traveling to a new country where you might be surrounded by all kinds of new foods, new environments, just a whole lot of stuff that you're not used to track and you kind of need to start from scratch if you want to be precise. Uh, it can be very annoying to say the least. So much so that this very thing actually made me say no to random weekend trips and things of that nature before. So... I find, at least, that when it comes to freestyling things, making spontaneous decisions, or being generally adaptable to random situations that life can throw at us, eating ad libitum is a lot less stressful. But once again, this is for me personally, you may have a much different experience. Now, moving on to the next benefit downside question. A big benefit, in my opinion, is that it has a way of ingraining good eating habits. So with macro tracking, an interesting conundrum that we may find ourselves facing is that while we may be manipulating our body composition very successfully through adhering to our predetermined numbers, because of the objectivity of the numbers and because we can rely on them, one can actually accomplish their body composition goals very successfully while having an absolutely terrible set of eating habits. So for example, during a long, hard diet to low body fat levels, one often has to ignore their hunger and satiety signals. And adhering to specific numbers actually allows one to live being completely oblivious of natural hunger and satiety mechanisms. And one can actually get into the habit of completely overstuffing themselves to the point of serious discomfort while seemingly getting away with it, quote unquote, because they are adhering to the numbers. And this is something that I have fallen for, especially because I spent a good few years of my life basically permacutting and perpetually dieting and spent the majority of my time being in a caloric deficit. I got into the habit of just maxing out on food volume by loading up on veggies and low-calorie foods to the point of getting gastrointestinal issues because I just wanted to not be hungry. And unfortunately, this eating behavior was hard to let go of once I was done with cutting. And as a friend really smartly put it, the difference between a successful cutting day and a binge 
can often simply boil down to energy density of the foods you eat. And then if you overeat or gain weight, it's easy to blame certain high-calorie foods for your slip-up and ignore the fact that maybe there was a deeper underlying issue here, which is that you developed some not-so-hot relationships with food and eating because now you require eating to the point of feeling stuffed to actually feel non-deprived. And eating ad libitum, especially if you actually do it correctly, so you select proper foods, you pay attention to your body signals, you have some degree of mindfulness in place as, as you're eating. These are things I'll talk about in an upcoming episode. It's pretty hard to remain oblivious to these not-so-good eating behaviors. I mean, if you just keep eating past fullness at every meal, then it quickly becomes a slippery slope. And then if you gain weight or your body composition is not going in the direction you want it to, then it's harder to remain oblivious to the fact that you have been eating way past comfortable fullness repeatedly. And this is the case so much so that one of the first benefits I noticed was a drastic improvement in my digestion and gut functioning. So I had less bloating, I was more regular and predictable on the toilet, if you know what I mean. And this simply all came from this magical concept of just eating a reasonable amount of food whenever I needed. Not to mention that if you apply some of the psychological tools that I'll talk about in the follow-up episode of this, when I'll talk about specific strategies like focusing on your food and eating mindfully, that will have benefits that will reach far further than just your nutrition. And you will be more easily be able to stay present in the moment, which will help you focus more on your work, focus on conversations, in your bedroom performance. And yes, I'm speaking from personal experience here. Uh, not sure how much you want to hear about these things. But the main point is that a properly set up ad libitum nutrition plan has a good way of kind of shit testing you for your bad nutritional habits. Okay, so now I'd like to switch gears and talk about the types of goals that ad libitum eating is good for and what goals it's not so good for. And the answer here might actually surprise you somewhat as I'm guessing that most of you probably think that ad libitum eating is probably okay for maintenance, a little less effective for gaining, and then it's even less effective for cutting. And the answer is not exactly that. I would in fact agree that ad libitum dieting is probably the best way for a stress-free maintenance phase because of this autoregulatory aspect that I talked about earlier. So you will have some high calorie days, you will have some lower calorie days, and you can go out to eat, have some nice feasts, you will be less hungry on subsequent days, and it will be a much lower calorie day, and over time you'll end up with more or less the same amount of body fat and body weight. I would say that it can be basically just as effective for lean for a lean gaining phase as a lean gaining phase in my mind is basically an even more flexible maintenance phase where you want to see a slowly trending increase in your body weight. Uh, then oddly enough, I think it's next most effective for aggressive cutting and rapid weight loss and mini cuts. And it's much trickier to implement a slow cut when you're losing maybe 0.5 of your body weight per week or less. Because there, like I said, the day-to-day -day fluctuations can basically be large enough that they totally mask a week's worth of fat loss progress. 
And there it can be important to just trust the process or just make small conservative adjustments to your caloric intake, which can be trickier when you're eating ad libitum. On the other hand, if you're setting up an ad libitum diet with a bunch of low calorie foods and you monitor your appetite properly, you can have very decent low calorie days without encountering much hunger. Uh, you can even do protein sparing modify fasts very effectively. In fact, Ad libitum is my preferred way of implementing protein sparing modify fasts. So for quick, aggressive cutting, ad eating ad libitum can be ruthlessly effective. And so finally, the last thing I would like to touch on is why did I choose to implement an ad libitum approach for myself? And why did I stop tracking my macros? And just before I get started on this, I want to once again emphasize that my intention with this is not to portray this as ad libitum dieting is good, macro tracking is bad. Hell no. This is my story, but because some of you may be in a situation similar to that I was in when I embarked on this, I want to put this out there regardless in the hope that it may actually help some of you. So in short, with my macro tracking calorie counting journey, I basically moved through the following stages. Like I said, I had my honeymoon phase when I was excited literally every day about having another day ahead of me of being able to control my nutrition and body composition. It was cool. It was fun. It was fulfilling. Even the neurotic unnecessary things that went into all of that, like tracking everything down to the gram were meaningful in the weirdest way because I, I felt like I was progressing on a personal mission. Then later, it became kind of old after doing it for a long time. I was just tired of viewing every bite of food as, okay, this is 50, 100, 200 calories worth of food that I don't get to eat later. I already started to feel the negative effects of some of the wacky stuff I started to implement, like, quote unquote, hurting all my macros to the end of the day so that I could have these large celebratory feasts every night. So, I would literally have only two or 300 calories until 8 p.m. on some days so that I could have these 2,500 calorie dinners. And then I would start to have these inner dialogues of, okay, I'm kind of hungry and I want to eat more here, but then I don't get to eat as much later at night. Also, these high calorie calculated feasts at night kind of just became the high points of my day. And I soon got to the point where I would just not go to social events because for me, eating these delicious high calorie evening meals while watching some YouTube video or something like that was just more fun. Also, some of the fitness goals that I had were just pretty much non-viable with macro tracking as I was just going mentally insane from them, especially during gaining phases, actually. So having these calculated calorie surpluses never ever worked out for me. So I would be fine until I was on point. But then if I ever overate on one day, then I just didn't know how to modify because I didn't want to be in a deficit because shit, I'm gaining. I don't want to be in a cut anymore. But at the same time, I was concerned that if I never compensate for these, then I will just get fat too quickly. And this was especially bad if I was significantly over, like a 1,000 or 2,000 calories over because of some social feast or something. And then I was like, okay, I could drop my calories just a little bit over the next few days, but then it's basically a week's worth of cutting, so I lose a week of bulking. Or I could just do one day of protein sparing modify fast to compensate, but then it's kind of an unhealthy behavior, so what the hell do I do? And while this all seems kind of laughable in retrospect, or it may seem laughable to you, it actually made me 
isolated more and more and made my days dry and boring. This entire series of behaviors that I started to develop and the fact that these high calorie feasts at night kind of became my life, it actually made me isolated. It made my days dry and boring. And it became this self-perpetuating cycle where my workouts and my meals became the high point of my day, which made me wanting to skip social events so that I wouldn't have to compromise them, which made my life even drier, which made my food and my training even more so the high point of my days. So I just got more and more unhappy and disengaged with life around me in general. My eating just got more and more disordered. And ironically, I was falling off the wagon more and more simultaneously. And basically, at some point, I got to the point where I looked up and realized that I was getting the worst of both worlds. I was not having fun with the people around me. I was not going out with others for dinners and drinks. Frankly, I was just living like a hermit. And at the same time, I was no longer getting the results that I wanted because I was falling off the wagon too often. So at that point, it started to dawn on me that, okay, something needs to change. Uh, I'm basically approaching rock bottom at a rapid pace and I want to stop before I actually get there. And then I actually got very, very fortunate and basically fate kind of got in the way and a series of events happened that basically flipped my life on its head, um, which was exactly what I needed at the time. So in short, I met someone new in my life who after a very long time basically showed me how it felt like to be excited about life and be really alive. I went through a change in environment and I actually also got to the sport and performance summit in Amsterdam where I met a whole bunch of my idols in the fitness industry. So I basically got into this perfect storm that all indicated that this is the perfect time to start with a blank slate. So right there, I made the decision that I'm going to stop tracking and I'm going to revamp my relationship with food and my eating habits and I'm going to reignite my social life and I'll become a new man. And as for how it worked out, it worked really, really well. So I initially went through a pretty rapid fat loss phase and lost about 5% body fat or so over the course of about a month. And then I had basically the perfect YOLO lifestyle summer. (laughs) When I was lean, I was like 9 or 10% body fat the whole time. I was going to parties. I was having drinks three, four, five times a week. I was eating out as much as I wanted, which was possible because, because I was A, very active, and B, I was making very good use of this autoregulatory aspect of ad libitum eating. And now, a few months later, uh, as once again, winter is coming, I'm still pleased with the results. I'm still lean. I'm still living life and I'm still active socially. And again, I don't want to oversell this, but I heard someone saying in some podcast that progression is not always measured in the weight room or in your body fat levels, but sometimes it's seen in the way you're being able to accomplish it and how you've been able to reconcile your general lifestyle with your fitness goals. And sometimes if you're able to accomplish a certain body composition goal while being more balanced with your social life, family life, etc., then it's basically a new life PR. 
And I love that concept. And I do think that over this recent period of my life, I actually hit a lot of live PRs that I wouldn't have been able to do with macro tracking. And I would say that in many ways, I still am in a continuous state of live PRing, if you will. In terms of physique or body composition, I would say that I'm at my personal best so far, or at least very close to it. But as far as life balance is concerned, it's far beyond anything I have been able to accomplish so far. So I have been at 7 or 8% body fat before, uh, but my entire life was revolving around that. If some event came up that made me miss a day from the gym, or if someone just invited me over for lunch, I literally got upset or angry. And now I very much live my life like a normal person who also happens to be in a room with weights around for four or five times a week for an hour. And really, and really, to me, that's what's most important right now. Being lean is something that just doesn't excite me very much anymore. I like being lean just as much as any other person. But quite frankly, at this point, I know that I can get lean and I know exactly how to get lean. I know what kind of calorie ranges will get me there and at what pace. I know what is too lean for my well-being and what is just needlessly fat. That whole thing is pretty much dialed in. And what is not dialed in, because I ne I neglected it for a long time, is maximizing my happiness and life satisfaction. And so far, this turns out to be the most interesting and perhaps hardest challenge that I ever took on. And I definitely don't have it figured out very well. But that's a whole different story. Um, so... I went on for quite a while and uh, it would be convenient to just cut it right here. But if I went on for this long, I might as well take another few minutes to summarize the most important take-home points that I want you to remember from all of this. So ad libitum dieting is basically a more sound way of saying intuitive eating. And it refers to a way of eating where you don't track your calories and macros and just eat as much as you quote unquote want, or rather as much as you feel like you need. And as unbelievable as it sounds, it is a viable way to maintain good body composition and even transform your body. We can't make statements like ad libitum dieting works better or worse than macro tracking. It's all context dependent. For competitive athletes or for people who have extreme body composition goals, macro tracking would be the preferred way to do it in the majority of cases. But for people who just uh, want to look really good, meaning being muscular, being lean, having some abs, and are content with having some striations on their delts, but not on their glutes, <laughs> it is very doable without tracking macros for most people, I'd say. Uh, benefits of ad libitum dieting is that it allows for your appetite to auto-regulate your energy intake. It has a great potential to ingrain good eating habits. And for many people, it's just less stressful and mentally taxing than macro tracking. The downsides are the increased difficulty in tracking progress and making adjustments. And what's really, really important to emphasize is that personal preference matters here a lot. And uh, what might cause one some psychological stress and worry might be totally fun and a stress-free method for another person. 
So just keep that in mind before you comment something too negative on ad libitum dieting or macro tracking. So guys, I believe that was it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed this and I plan to air a follow-up episode on this that will be much more technical in nature where I will be talking about the concrete strategies that make an ad libitum eating strategy viable and workable. So hope you enjoy this and see you very soon. All right, guys, Abel here again. Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please subscribe on YouTube if you watched it there. I come out with new content every week there, whether it's in the form of a podcast episode like this, which I actually aim to do one off every week, or some shorter informational video. Also, if you could just leave a comment and suggest some people that you'd like me to interview or just topics you'd like me to cover, uh, it would be very helpful to know how I can better serve you. And if you listen to it in podcast, format. If you could leave a rating on iTunes, it would greatly help out the show and I would be more than grateful for it. So thanks guys for hanging out up until now. Thanks for being here and see you all next week.